have soil are you. Number two, that's what the title of my message is tonight. Why number two? Because I did number one this morning. Turn in your Bibles to Luke 8. Verse 5, a sower went out to sow a seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. Well, good grief. Let me start over. Cole, do you want to preach? <laughs> Quit laughing. <laughs> a sower <laughs> went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. <laughs> now, I don't know if this is me or the Holy Ghost. Or Cole. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it cold, and others fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not, they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they, which when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they, which when they have heard, go forth, and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this word tonight that will go forth. And Father God, I pray that every one of us would judge our own hearts and that we would, have, we would be good ground. We would be good soil. That the word would take root in us and that fruit would be born and it would remain, Father God. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord God, that I will minister it with clarity, with simplicity, with practicality, and that these hearers will hear the word and that it will take root in their hearts. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning we, uh, we preached about this, this very scripture. Tonight we're going to start in verse 6 where it says, Some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. See, some, some seed will, will fall on rocks, and if it's not watered, then, then it's, it's not going to produce. And we have to water the seed. The seed is what? The Word of God. So we have to water the seed every day through prayer, through fellowship, through communion with the Holy Ghost. And, and don't deceive yourself into thinking that you don't have to do that every day and you'll be okay because you won't. Because the devil will come and he'll steal that seed 
from you. Or the cares of the world will come in and they're going to choke out the word. And like I said this morning, it's real easy to get into the habit of uh, staying in bed or staying home. And, and I, I just couldn't help that. You know, little things like that bug me sometimes. <laughs> so um, oh, anyway, where was I? The cares of the world will come in and, and choke the word and we can stay in bed and we, we, we don't read our Bibles and it's not going to hurt me not to do that today. Well, I'm too busy not to read my Bible. Well, may I say that you're too busy not to read your Bible. You're too busy not to have fellowship with Him. And a lot of times if we don't do that, the first thing in the morning I know that I get up early and I um, exercise, I walk sometimes, well, more now that my walking friend is home. Uh, she's been gallivanting around, you know, so I've just been going out to curves and working out, and then I come home, and then I go out to curves and work out, and if I don't do that first thing in the morning, then I don't get it done. Why? Because the busyness of the day. And so um, I'm, preaching, I'm preaching what I was going to preach tonight. But um, anyway, we'll get back. I'm going to preach that next Sunday. So this is a prelude, I think, now to, to next Sunday's. But we can't let the cares of the world, don't be so deceived, to think that something's going on up here. <laughs> it is. Something is just going on up here. Cole? <laughs> Hallelujah. Borea sondara baha sekisi. The seed, the seed, the seed. See, you take my seed, and then as you feed hmm, on me, then that seed will grow. And it will be brought to fruition. And I will be glorified. And you will magnify and glorify me. For you see, it won't be about you, but it will all be about me. As the seed, the seed, the seed is planted in your heart so deep that you will not allow anything to come in and choke that seed out and it will grow and grow and grow and grow and you will become people of faith like you never knew that you could be and again i will be glorified as you look to me so you take that seed and you plant it deep so that you will not be moved for you see in this hour there will be much 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 and many who will come in despair. Oh, but that seed that is being planted in you will grow and they will see and they will know. Oh, they will know, they will know that they will know that there is hope for them in this hour. They do not have to despair. So you take the seed and you root it deep and you take care of that seed that I am giving you in this hour 
because it's all that I might be glorified and bring people unto me, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, well, let's try this again. Hallelujah. That seed must be watered every day. Well, how do you water it? Through prayer and through fellowship with Him, through a coming together like you have done tonight and this morning, of, of coming together with people of, of like mind, that people that believe the way that you believe, and encouraging someone and some encouraging each other in the faith. Hallelujah. Encouraging each other and building each other up and giving them a hug. You know, sometimes we just need a hug. We do. Sometimes we don't need anything spiritual. We just need a hug. Sometimes that's the most spiritual thing. Women and men, listen to me. Sometimes the most spiritual thing that you can do for your spouse is to give them a hug and a kiss. Are y'all just sitting there looking at me? It's true. Sometimes you don't, just, you don't need to pray together. You just need to hug each other and just, you know, lip lock them. <laughs> now I say I'm getting an amen from this section over here. It's true. You just need to take time apart sometimes to spend with your spouse. You know, sometimes we can just get woo-woo spiritual. That's being spiritual. Why? Because it, re, it, it, it causes relationship. It causes love to abound. And when your home is in unity, let me tell you, things will happen. Things will happen with your children, and things will happen in the church. Okay, that's not in my notes. Don't know really where that came from. But the word is referred to as living water. You know, so... so the, those, that, that seed that fell on rocks withered away because it lacked moisture. So see, we water the seed with the word of God, with that living water that comes forth in Ephesians 5, if you want to turn there. Ephesians 5, 26, it speaks about the word and it says that Jesus gives us the word that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. See, that word is going to have to penetrate. It's going to have to get around that thing in our heart uh, uh, that, that may be unclean. You know, we, the sanctification thing is a process. You know, we, we, we set ourselves apart, but it's a process. Many times, well, most times it doesn't happen just all at once. We have to come out from among the world. A few weeks ago, I gave you an example of Miss Vicky and how little by little by little it was a process of her being set apart for the glory of God. And so, so the, the, uh, sometimes that, that word of God has to get around, it has to penetrate, it has to get around that thing and those things in our heart and our, in our lives that aren't clean and it has to clean us up. Think of a washing machine. What's that big thing in the middle that goes... It's an agitator. You know, without that agitator going... Mine's kind of louder. You know, it's, mine's pretty loud. But uh, it, it goes like that. And if you just put your dirty clothes in there without the agitator, they would just sit there and not get clean. Oh, some of the surface stuff might get, get off of it. But it's that agitator. You know, I can put towels... In and, and the green towel can be over here and I may have a brown towel over here when I go to take them out. The green towel's over here and the brown towel's over there. Why? Because that agitator has stirred it up. 
It's moved things around. And so think of the Word of God as an agitator in our life, stirring things up in our lives. And the, and the soap, the washing of the water by the Word gets around those dirty things in our lives and that agitator, it cleans it up. See, through prayer and through fellowship and through coming together, then it penetrates our heart and it causes us to be clean and set apart. Amen? And so, so we have to sometimes stir, stir things up within us in, in order for a change to be produced. And that seed is going to grow when we stir things up. You know, uncleanliness will be washed away and, and closed by that agitator working. You see, it's rubbing those things together. Oh, hallelujah. It's rubbing. It's rubbing in those spots that are unclean in our heart. It's rubbing those dirty spots away, the washing of the water by the word, and it's causing our hearts to become clean so that we can be pure and holy before him. Amen? So the word can be like an agitator of a washing machine, and then little by little, that seed will begin to grow. Why? Because there's a washing of the water by the word. Amen? And that is caused by the word of God being preached or by, by spending time in prayer, by coming together with God's people. And so you begin to receive that word in your life, and there's a change that takes place. And when the word ceases to have an effect on your life, then the seed that was planted begins to die. That's why it's so important for us to come together. Because if you don't, then little by little by little. I've seen it. I've seen it just recently people that are here, little by little by little, then they go back into the way of the world. Why? Because the seed that was, once, that was planted within them wasn't agitated. It wasn't stirred up. They didn't stir anything up in them. And then, little by little, that seed began to die because it wasn't watered by the Word. Amen? So the Word of God is a living Word. You know, Hebrews 4.12, let's turn there if you would. Hebrews 4.12. I love this. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Hallelujah. It's sharp. It's powerful. Quicker than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. See, the Word of God will work. But we will either allow it to cleanse us and to change us or to convict us, hopefully, to the point that we will desire change. That's what the Word of God does. Somebody said the other day, well, you know, I'd come to that church, but the heat's too hot. Well, this morning in Bible school, Pastor Jeff was talking about, um, you know, coming into the church. I mean, years ago, when people started letting the world come into the church, they said, we want to be like you. They didn't want to be like us. They wanted us to be like them. And so little by little, there's been an eroding away. And thank God for a church that has a standard like Word of Life does. We were, we were, were founded on that foundation that, you know, we just say, if you're shacked up, that's sin, and you can't do that in this church. See, there's a thing about God being pure and holy, and he expects holiness from us. Because little by little, if we let that come in, then there's another one, and there's another one, and there's another one, and there's another one. There has to be a washing 
of water by the word of God that's going to cause people to come under conviction and either change their ways or they'll leave. That's what happens. And so sometimes the heat in this church is too much. We've had people leave because they said, well, it's too hot there. We'll go somewhere else and we can do what we want to do and we can all just be happy. Oh, just irritates me when I turn on the TV and somebody says, oh, we just want everybody to come in this place to feel good about themselves. You know, you shouldn't always go to church and feel good about yourself. If you don't, then the word of God is not being preached. You know, sometimes you go out, your toes should hurt. Amen? Conviction comes. Why? Because the word is going forth. And, and if you're good soil, then that's exactly what will happen. The word will come in and, and you'll come under conviction. So you'll want that, that washing to come forth in your life. See, if we allow that, that, that word to be watered, then the seed is going to grow. But if we don't, it's going to dry up and it's going to die. And then we're all going to be in a pickle. You know what a pickle is? A mess. That's what that means. You look in the dictionary, under pickle, it'll say a mess. It won't really. I'm just kidding you. <laughs> but that's what it means. We say that down south. I don't know what they say here. But we don't want to be in a pickle. Amen? We don't. You know, if you don't continually water the seed with prayer, with coming together with one another, by reading, then it's not going to be long before there's going to be trouble in your life. And some of you have probably been there. You know, Luke 8, 7 describes the seed that, that fell among thorns and was choked to death while it was trying to grow. Let's look there. Luke 8, 7. And others fell on, oh no, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. If you would turn to Matthew 22, we're going to see what those thorns are. Matthew, 22, or Matthew 13, I'm sorry, verse 22. Matthew 13. Verse 22. He also that received seed among the thorns is he that hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. See, we receive the word and then we let the cares of the world come in and choke the word and then we're unfruitful. So we don't need to be that kind of soil. Turn to Revelation 3. This is talking about the Laodicean church. Verse 14. See if this doesn't sound like America today. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith, uh, Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, I am increased with goods, I have need of nothing, 
and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich in white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. And many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. I am rich and increased with goods. I have need of nothing. What does that sound like? Sounds like a lot of people today, doesn't it? See, we can fall in that same trap. Too many people are satisfied today with just being saved. They've got their ticket punched to heaven. But when our material needs are met, it's sometimes easy to become self-satisfied. Because we look to that instead of looking to the Lord. And then we forget about the spiritual needs that are so important in our life. And all that we have will leave here when we step over to the side, other side into heaven, believe me. You're not going to take anything with you. So all of this stuff that we have is merely stuff because, you know, you came into this world with nothing and you're going to go out with nothing. I promise you. Because I'm cleaning out stuff. We've been increased with goods. So, we don't need anything. Happy. The more stuff, the more we want. The more we have, the more we want. Oh, how I pray that the more we have of Jesus, the more we want of him. Not stuff. Not stuff, material stuff, material wealth. But that the more we have of Jesus, the more we want of him. That's my prayer for you and for this church. Are we forsaking everything to follow him? Look at Matthew 6, 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they. Look at chapter 10, verse 37. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. Chapter 19, verse 29. And every one that has forsaken houses, 
our brethren, our sisters, our father, our mother, our wife, our children, our lands, for in my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. Hallelujah. Is the seed of the gospel more important than the lifestyle that we want to enjoy? Are we willing to give up everything for Jesus? What kind of soil are we? Or do we want to hold on to the things of the world instead? You know, God may never call you to give up your life, your, your, the comforts of your home. He may never, not ever call you to go to a foreign field. But he does expect to have your heart. See, that's what he's looking for. for. He's looking for us to have a heart that is after him. He may not ever call you to go and take your children abroad. Many of these missionaries have. I think of the McGowans so much. They've been in Thailand for 15 years, probably 13 to 15 years. And their youngest daughter is 16, 16 or 17 right now. Thailand was the only thing that she knew. Well, really, Thailand was the only thing that any of their children knew. And you know, they're, they're over 20 hours away on an airplane across waters, and all their three children are right here. And sometimes I kind of fuss because my kids are 11 and 14 hours away. But I can hop in a car and be there in a day. That's a sacrifice. Would we be willing to do the same thing? That's hard. To, to, to give up the comforts of home, to give up the comforts of America, to go where God would ask you to go. He may not ever ask you to do that, but he does expect us to take up our cross and he expects us to follow him wherever he may lead you. So, you know, the Bible says that wherever your treasure is, there's your heart also. I want us to be good ground. You know, you can always tell people that have good ground. Their attitudes are good. Doesn't matter what's going on around them. Doesn't matter the stuff of life. It doesn't matter what life is bringing them. They always have a good report. They're always glorifying the Lord. You know, their hearts are broken before God. They're hungry for more of Him. They love coming to church. They love fellowshipping with God's people. They love to talk about the things of God. They're just hungry. It's those kinds of people that stand out. They go into a dark room and they lighten it up. Why? Because of the love of God, because they're good soil. And the Word of God has taken root. The seed of the Word of God has taken root in their life. And they're letting their light shine in a darkened world. See, I pray that, all, that every one of us would be good seed. You know, people that have that seed on the inside of them, they talk differently. They act differently. They think differently. They're not up one day and down the next. Why? Because their faith is based on the Word of God. Jesus is their rock and they shall not be moved. I don't care come hell or high water, they won't be moved. They're standing and they're going to stand firm. Why? Because they're good soil. And their soil has taken that seed of the Word of God and it's been planted in them and it's going to grow and it's going to be fruitful and they're not going to let anything come and take it away. They're not going to let the fowls of the air come and take it out. They're not going to let thorns grow up and choke out that Word. Why? Because they've been founded upon the rock of Jesus. Hallelujah. 
I pray that that's what every one of us will be. You know, we never have to ask those, pe those people, are you a Christian? We usually know just by their countenance and by the way they talk and by the way they act. So I want to ask you now, and I know I'm talking to the Sunday night crowd. This was supposed to be the Sunday morning crowd. Are you allowing your heart to become stony? If you are, then it's time to break up that fallow ground. Allow the Holy Ghost to plow up your heart so that the seed will grow in your heart. Are you allowing the thorns to come in and choke out the word? That's easy to do sometimes. To allow the cares, to allow riches, to allow all those things of the world to come in and take place of the word of God. Are we more concerned about our jobs, our families, our children, the pleasures of life than we are about faithfully serving God? Now listen to me, faithfully. There's something to be said about faithfulness. Something to be said about faithfulness. You know, it's all a choice that we have. We're going to have to make the choice to be willing to give up everything in order to serve the Lord, if that's what he would ask us to do. Now, I'm not saying that he's going to ask us to do that. Lord, I hope he doesn't call us all to the mission field. We need a church here. <laughs> Amen? He'll call many, many of us to go. You know, never did I dream when, uh, when Pastor and I met, and he, and he had dreams, and I was going to go to California, of all things, and teach school. That's what I wanted to do. And he was going to go into the Navy, so we said, well, hmm, we can tell this ain't going to work. But, you know, it worked. And he did join the Navy. I never did go to California until Gal David moved there. I d certainly didn't teach school there. But we were going to see the world. He was going to be a fighter, fighter pilot. That's what he went in as. Then he broke his hand in, in PT training, physical training, and he jumped over a long horse, and instead of bouncing over, he went and broke his hand right across here, his right hand. And so they grounded him, and at that time, pilots were a dime a dozen, and he was very disappointed. He never wanted anything so bad in his life than to be a fighter pilot for the Navy and land on carriers. That's what he always wanted to do. But they grounded him, and they said, you can be a Rio, and he said, I won't take back seat to a pilot. And, uh, and so he chose to get out right after we were married. So he, he got out of the Navy. And I don't know where I was going with that story. Faithfulness. And just serving God, doing whatever he wanted us to do. And so we were going to see the world at the Navy's expense. Never in my wildest dreams did I think that we would be in the ministry and see the world at God's expense. Him funding that and us glorifying Him. You know, we have got to be willing to go and be willing to do whatever He asks us to do. I knew that there was a call of God on our life. I wanted to say that it was on pastor's life, but I so remember him saying, God, I know that we're called, but you have a problem and her name is Mama, and you're going to have to deal with her because we're one and I'm not going without her, so you're going to have to deal with her. And I was miserable because I knew it 
and I didn't want to do it. Why? I don't know. Well, what's mom and daddy going to say? What are my brothers going to say? They think I'm crazy anyway, you know? I mean, I don't know why I didn't want to obey God in that area. And one day, <coughs> we lived on Prairie Park Lane, and, and mine, and Mary, and mine and pastor's marriage was always wonderful. But there was just something in me that just wasn't right, and I knew it. So one day, he was home. He was working for a, a chemical business, at Mobile Chemical at that time. And I said, honey, you need to take the kids, and you need to go, because me and the Holy Ghost got to have a little talk. And uh, he said, okay. And I said, just stay gone about an hour. So I went down in the basement. He took the kids. I don't, they went to some, I don't know. Did, I don't know what they did. But they went somewhere. And I went downstairs and got our record player out. Some of you don't know what that is. <laughs> got records of Jimmy Swaggart. I love to hear him sing. Love to hear him play the piano. His music just touched my heart. It was in that basement that I shared all of my hurts, my disappointments, and what I wanted, God. And at the end, I said, but God, whatever you have for me. And for Gary Don, who wasn't pastor then, We had vacationed some down near Galveston and in that area, so we'd go through Houston, and I said, I ain't ever moving here. And um, I didn't like the traffic. It was too big. It was hot. I just didn't like it. And I told Pastor before when I knew that the call of God was on our life, and I said, uh, we're going into the ministry, aren't we? And he had said, I remember where I was sitting. I was sitting on the, on the, the cabinet. <laughs> I know that sounds funny. But I was sitting on the cabinet, and Pastor was standing there in front of me, and we were talking, and I said, um, God's calling you into ministry, isn't he? Oh, now, Mama. He would never call me without calling you. And I said, that's good, because I ain't going. <laughs> I didn't say he wasn't calling me. I just said, that's good, because I ain't going. He said, well, don't worry about it. God will do a work. I thought, not me, he won't. <laughs> I'd already made up my mind. Don't ever say no to God, because you may be standing here. <laughs> and so, but when he took the children and I went down into that basement and put on those records and just cried out to God, and I said, God, whatever you have for us, after I'd shared my heart, he already, already knew what was going on in my life, but I just spilled it out before him, and then I said, God, whatever you have. I just want to stand beside my husband. And I know that you're not going to call him without calling me. So I surrender my life to you. And I will follow him anywhere. And I said, even to Houston. Because see, I kind of jokingly said, I'll go anywhere but Houston. And I said, even to Houston. And I can't begin to tell you what happened. It was like bricks lifted off of me. Such a weight was like I was free. And so I beefed up the music, you know, I turned that volume on that record player up. Jimmy Swagger was playing, you know, the way he does. And I was just having a Holy Ghost time down there, bawling and a squalling and, you know, 
just thanking God, and, I, and then I heard the kids and Pastor come in, and I heard, heard him say, shh, Mommy's still downstairs. And I came bounding up, and I said, Honey, I just want you to know that whatever God has for us, I'll go. I'll support you. Little did I know that he would send us all over the world to preach the gospel. I knew we were going into ministry. I can tell you what I saw. I saw us in this little trailer going all over. Uh, Pastor being an evangelist, he had such a heart for souls. I thought, oh, this is going to be a hallelujah time, you know. <laughs> but that's really what I saw. I never really did see him as a pastor. He was a wonderful one. But he had such a heart for souls that I thought that we would be just going over, you know, in this little trailer and, you know, this old station wagon and, you know, going from town to town. I mean, that's kind of, you know, you get crazy ideas in your head about ministry. <laughs> and so I didn't know what he had planned for us. But I surrendered that day. And I think that God had his way. Because I even went to his way. Think about this sometimes. six of the last eight weeks of our life together was spent in Houston. We saw the world not out of a, not out of a Navy fighter jet, but just going with God, preaching the word wherever he wanted us to go. And we ended up in Houston. God has his way of doing things. When we surrender, worship team, would you come? When we surrender to him, there's such freedom that comes when you surrender. You know, you become filled with purpose again. You become joyful. Your countenance changes. He may never ask you to give up the comforts of your home. He may never ask you to go abroad, but he's asking you in your heart to surrender. Would you play that song? He's asking you in your heart to surrender everything unto him. And then just say, Lord, here I am. Use me, make me, mold me into the person, into the people of God that you want us to be. See, he wants our heart. So I ask you today, what kind of soil are you? You know, for myself, I'd heard the gospel. I got saved in a Methodist church when I was a young girl. But I'd refused to let that gospel grow, the seed of the word grow in me, and to be a part of my life like he wanted it to be. Oh, I was a good girl. And as much as I knew, I loved God. But there was a stubborn streak in me that said, I ain't going to do this. Even though I knew what was to go take place in our life, I said, I'm not going. I'm not doing it. I didn't marry a preacher, and I'm not going into the ministry. I married some big, you know, cowboy that wore Stetson hats and wore boots all the time. So I pray that you won't be like me 
and won't allow that word of God to produce the fruit that it wants to produce. Finally, it did. But there were a few months in there that I was miserable. Now, most people didn't know that. They didn't know what was going on in my heart. But I was miserable because I knew what God wanted me to do. And I was digging my heels in like a Missouri mule. I said, I'm not doing it. But when I surrendered, I said, God, whatever you would have me to do, I will go. Then everything changed, and it changed quickly. And we went, and we did. And the rest is history. Here we are, praising God, a church full of the Holy Ghost, winning souls, sending people, and going all over the world to bring glory unto Him. So as we sing, I surrender all tonight, I want you to come, and I want you to if you were the kind of soil that I was at that time, I want you to repent. I want you to give God your entire being. Say, God, whatever it is you have for me, I will do. Like I said, don't be afraid of doing that. He may not ever call you to Africa. He may do like he did my pastor and myself, to go and come back. But he wants our heart. He wants to know that we are good soil in, in which his seed can grow. We can grow up into a fruitful tree for him. Amen? So every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here tonight 